You want to do the ad? I'm doing the ad right now, Andy. You're, Thanks for asking. It. How you doing, Andy? This ad? episode is... You're asking again. Andy, I'm doing it. Am currently. I ruining it? You're, ru- you're not ruining. I think you're helping. Oh, good. Uh... Andy's ruining the ad. Can you believe it or not? That's right. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California at Hollywood and Highland, the crossroads of entertainment. <laughs> Such a great phrase that means I, nothing. I uh, invented it. Uh, you can use it if you'd like, uh, Hollywood. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Do you get credit for it? Like when, uh, when uh, Paris Hilton tried to... Uh tried to uh, um, uh, trademark the, the phrase that's hot <laughs> yes I'm going to trademark something that no one will say the crossroads of entertainment uh, so listen you know it's the spring break's coming you're looking for things to do well have I got a place for you to go it's the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium in Hollywood California if you're like man I don't know it seems like uh, I want to do something on the cheap well guess what if you mention Star Trek the next conversation at the uh, ticket purchasing desk, you will be given a buy one, get one free. That's right. Mention TNC, get buy one, get one free. I almost said that as a sentence, but you know what I'm saying, guys. $20 admission after 5 p.m. if you mention the podcast, and uh, you can choose to believe it or not. Thank you, everyone at Ripley's, for believing in us. Agreed. In spite of Andy. Uh-huh. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I am Matt. I am Andy. We are three deep into season three of Star Trek The Next Generation. Andy, I believe, has lost all enthusiasm for this show. Uh, Not accurate. As a matter of fact, I was driving here today thinking how happy I was that we were back. Into season three? Uh, No, doing the show. Oh, just back. uh, Well, we have time. Yeah. That's the beauty of time, everybody. You get uh-huh. more podcasts. We do more podcasts. Oh, I was going to say, actually, I think at a certain point I was enjoying doing the podcast. I would say for the first two seasons I had this experience. And I and doing watching the show was just sort of like something I appreciated because it would lead to the podcast. But it wasn't something – it wasn't like, oh, boy, I got to sit down and watch yeah. Star Trek the next – and this is – this is the first episode that I found myself going, I'm really looking forward to watching the next episode. Oh, it's turning a corner for you. It is. It's not just about homework. Yeah. Uh, it's still homework to me. And uh, uh-huh. you know what? There's no better homework to be doing. So you don't have at this point the the joy of when you sit down and it's like slipping on an old pair of socks or whatever. I will in two episodes when we watch Booby Trap, one of my all-time favorite episodes of Star Trek. Gotcha. Um which is, I, I think I'm in like the minority on loving booby trap so much, but uh, 
maybe you'll see why I like it, maybe you won't, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that kind of a thing, and uh, very excited about the rest of this series. There's so much to enjoy. Well, Matt, let's hear about some of the other people that are excited about this series. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? All they have to do is go online and leave a five-star review and join the Admirals Club. I just said all the lyrics to that jingle. <laughs> you did. It really is unnecessary for me to, to even ask you. It's just sort of ceremony at this yeah. point. Uh, six degrees of podcasting from Longing for More. As TNG gets better each season, I hope this podcast stays the same. I can't wait to continue the mission. Dis- disengaged. Log supplement. There's no way Matt makes it through all seven seasons. <laughs> an interesting theory. A log supplement for an <laughs> iTunes review. That's fantastic. Uh, yay, you are back by Soulcrop. I'm so happy. Loads of nerdy fun. Nerdy fun. Uh, I'm a terrible podcaster. From Melody. Um, I miss you guys so much on the break that I replayed the previous podcast. I also listened to most of the James Bonding. Mm-hmm. Most of James Bonding. Sure. And I only ever watched the Brosnan Bond movies. Wow. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I feel like you and I get along. But <laughs> you and Matt Gorley see things a little bit differently. <laughs> Five stars from this American living in Australia. Um, way back uh, in March 2017, I think she means having listened to the show. You uh-huh. two seem like genuinely good guys, and you deserve to be more successful than you already are. I don't know if I agree that we're good guys, but I do agree that we should be more <laughs> successful than we already are. <laughs> Oops, they're doing it again from yep. Jet Jaguar That's 1964. Us. I only recently discovered this one through James Bonding and burned through every episode. Uh, this means I only caught up a couple of weeks before the triumphant return and was spared the long, dark night of no content. I love the balance of fandom versus critique and a podcasting professional... Per, per, <laughs> what a terrible word of a trip over. Podcast professionalism versus let's uh, keep all of the mistakes and throw it out there. I feel like we know which side I'm falling on yeah. in that sentence. Uh, on a side note, everyone keeps telling Andy to hang in there as the good stuff is coming. While this is true, I have to say that I'm a little disappointed. I'll be a little disappointed when Next Gen turns good as my favorite episodes of the podcast have been the ones where the show is still floundering. I'll miss the declarations of why is this scene here? And what were they thinking? Great to have you guys back. They'll be back. Don't you worry. I'm happy to hear that I can look forward to hearing you more regularly. Um, uh, Created an account just to post a five-star review from Lewis R. Martin. Um, And Matt and Andy helped reinvigorate my passion for Star Trek. I just wanted to give that guy credit because he just created an account just for us. And the last one is, OMG, it's that guy and his friend from Lizard. Um, so my favorite podcast binged it loved it glad it exists TNG rules who do you think that guy is Matt and who do you think his friend is you're probably that guy right always I'm always that guy uh huh um no United Federation applied on president circle this week well we just recorded last night you know what it would have been nice to see somebody no I understand totally makes sense um and that was the admirals club there you go we don't even need to hear it um, and now we're going into hails. <laughs> you don't want to do it? Oh, no. I... Captain, we are being hailed. Open up the hail bag. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Still seems funny to me, uh, as you can tell, because I'm laughing uproariously uh, at myself. Sandal Masson writes us, Andy, I don't know if this is something you guys would know, but as, I, oh, I'm, I'm sharing this with you, Matt, because you're such a, such a, a uniform 
fetishist. But as per the uniforms being too short, do you guys know if they had ballet loops to keep the jacket from riding up as much? Ballet loops are loops of elastic sewn to a jacket or bodice, and then it's looped around a button or pants or a skirt. It helps pull things down that want to ride up. We use it in costuming all the time, especially ballet, hence the name. Uh, I'm going to get an answer for you within the minute. I'm sorry. I'm, I was certain that you would. Um, you can uh, buy a little time by listening to uh, this delightful... Uh, is this the one? Oh, man, I am on fire today. The only prime corrective is me. That's oh, I thought there was a prime corrective there coming. Was no prime but then corrective. I conceivably, how would that be possible? Yeah. Because uh, the episode we recorded last week for last week's episode was actually recorded yesterday. Okay, this is a voicemail. It's a little bit long, but Finally. I found it very interesting. So any business you got to do during this, feel free. Oh, I've done the business. Okay. So I'm going to listen. Hey, Matt and Andy. Uh, this is Peter from, uh, I'm calling into 816 CNC from the actual 816 area code. Nice. Here in Local Kansas call. City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Um, the home office. I wanted to share something with you guys um, relevant to something you were talking about in last week's evolution episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was uh, reading or listening to the audiobook of the new book by Steven Pinker, who's like a linguist, philosopher, brain researcher, all-around smarty-pants guy, who writer, who who has written some bunch of really cool books. So anyway, I want to share a couple sentences with you from Chapter 5 of his new book, Enlightenment Now. Um, they're, they're a little long, but um, it'll pay off in the end, I promise. So okay. here we go. Steven Pinker, Enlightenment Now, Chapter 25. The so-called hard problem of consciousness, why it subjectively feels like something to each one of us who is conscious, with red looking like red and salt tasting salty, is hard, not just because it is a recalcitrant scientific topic, but because it is a head-scratching conceptual enigma. It includes brain teasers, such as whether my red is the same as your red, Uh what it is like to be a bat, whether there could be zombies, people indistinguishable from you and me, but with no one home. And if so, is everyone but me a zombie? Whether a perfectly lifelike robot would be conscious, there's a Star Trek thing. Whether I could achieve immortality by uploading my brain's connectome to the cloud. And whether the Star Trek transporter really transports Captain Kirk to the planetary surface or murders him and reconstitutes a twin. So, no solution uh, there, but I think it um, shows that you guys are really on the forefront uh, cutting edge of um, <laughs> philosophy and brain research. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep tuning in to uh, see what insights you guys have to shed on uh, the mysteries of the world. Uh, you're doing a great job. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Very excited to be at the forefront of anything, Andy. We are at the forefront of thought. We are. We really kick it around and come up with nothing. And then the last uh, hail. We ask the big questions. We do. I really would love to dig in more to the question of the transporter um, and, and really figure it out, even though I know in the end, you know, 
but a lot of it's probably sci-fi gobbledygook. And on that note, Simon DeVette wrote us. Andy, they all write to me directly. <laughs> well, they know. They know what's happening. As a writer, I think you'll appreciate this selection from the original series Writer's Guide. We maintain, this is also about the, um, the transporter, we maintain a fast pace, avoid long philosophical exchanges or tedious explanations of equipment. Uh, and note that our cutting technique is to use the shortest possible time between idea and execution of it. Like, for instance, Kirk decides the landing party will transport uh, down to the planet. Hard cut to lights blinking on the transporter console, pull back to reveal the landing party stepping into the transporter. And then Simon writes, how does a transporter work? It saves time and money. That's how. Which I thought was funny. <laughs> uh, that's uh, funny. Why not just cut to the, bo- to the planet and let them beam in? Yeah. You know? true i could save them more time that wasn't that bad was it matt i'm dead <laughs> oh arm has killed me oh i just wanted to be written more but they decided that they could kill me so they did it did make room for more character development much as i like tasha yar Listen, you've got seven main cast members to, to write to here, and not, you know, like, it was eight with her. Shall we find out what Nine, happened? really, if you're counting Wesley. He's the ninth? Isn't he? I don't know. If you're counting Tasha Yar and Wesley. Oh, wow, that and is a it's lot seven. of characters. I mean, come on, come on. We've got on. problems servicing five characters. I know, I know. And then we keep making deals with other characters, and it's like, oh, we got to cram X actor into this, even though he doesn't fit. Uh, God bless. The them. answer on the ballet loops is yes. You're welcome. They they did use ballet loops. Yep. Oh, there you go. Immediate immediate answers to your questions. That's that John Cooley know how. I gotta get in contact with the writers on of Next Gen so I can ask stupid questions that come into my head about them. I was the asking. You um, uni- uni- I was telling uniforms. Frakes. I was talking to Frakes, and I said that the person i would most like to have at a convention that i could ask questions to is a line producer of tng oh yeah <laughs> like I, think... I would love to know the line budget i would love to i would have so many questions what were you spending on catering <laughs> when was it a lot what was the most you ever paid a guest star who was it uh it just like i have so many questions Does have any dietary restrictions was uh ensign row recurring uh what was her oh, that would be know, fascinating. so many questions so can't many w- questions can't wait till also i asked Enzo. i asked i told i was i told him i was like our um chief o'brien conundrum uh-huh of he doesn't say anything in the pilot or rather he doesn't have a name in the pilot right he's finally given a name in a different uniform yeah is it the same character who gets the character payment? And he was like, oh, that's a really good question. And then I was like, and who gets the character payment for Moriarty? Arthur right. Conan Doyle? He was like, that's... whoa! <laughs> wow! Well, you got him on your side. It gives me no end of delight to think of you just sitting there shooting the shit with Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> it is crazy. What a fan's dream. I should get him to uh, leave us voicemails. Ah, oh, that would be great. That'd be so great. I should do that. Um, Andy, you had, this, a, you had a question? This day in Trek history was what we're up to. Oh, okay. Well, let to... me tell you about this episode because it aired in October of 1989. And the exact date was October. Oops, I'm backwards. Ay, 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 ay. Nope. No. 
Oh, I'm going the wrong way. I think maybe you're right on October 9th. Did I tell you earlier it was October 9th? Yes, it was October 9th, 1989, <laughs> production number 151. Matt, in that special week, yes, um, special people week. in the U.S. were listening to Miss You Much Again by it's, Janet Jackson. Sounded something like this. By Miss Jackson, if you nasty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In U.K., Ride on Time by Black Box was in the top five hits. Look Who's Talking, directed by Emmy Heckerling, was... Ugh, God, that was terrible. Sorry, Miss Heckerling. One of the most viewed movies released in 1989, while The Russia House by John Le Carre was one of the best-selling books on TV. People were watching Around the World in 80 Days. I feel like you increasingly try to drown my voice. No, I didn't. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that. The music, weirdly, the music was going up in the video to the the pool cue. The guy moved like with the pool cue could be heard. It was very strange. I guess that must be. what were her two friends' names? The producers? Jimmy Jam? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, if you like video games, you were probably playing Bandit Kings of Ancient China or Harpoon. Um, and that's it for this day in Trek history. Oh, wait. Lastly, Penthouse's Magazine. Penthouse Magazine's Hebrew edition hit the renewed stands. Somehow nice. that popped up. All right. Thank you, Janet. Back to space. Here we go. Uh, all right, this is The Survivors. It was directed by Les Landau, written by Michael Wagner. Answering a distress call from Delta Rana 4, the Enterprise arrives to find the planet Ravage and its 11,000 colonists dead except for two elderly botanists, Rashawn Uxbridge and her unfriendly husband, Kevin. The two say they don't know what... The most unfriendly of names. ...why they were spared death, but they refuse to be evacuated. Then the massive ship that leveled the planet reappears, beginning a cat-and-mouse game with the Enterprise that leads Picard to suspect a connection between the heavily armored ship... And the Uxbridges. The aliens cripple the Enterprise in battle, then return to blast the Uxbridges home. In turn, the Federation starships destroys them. Picard and the couple... I'm sorry, rather. Picard as the couple beamed up to the bridge against their will. There, Kevin finally reveals the truth. He's actually a Dowd, an immortal super alien disguised as a human. But in all the 53 years they've been married, he has never revealed that fact to his wife. His credo against killing would not let them defend the planet against the aliens, a warrior-like race known as the Husnock. Husnock. The Husnock. Uh, And his wife is actually just an image after she too died in the fighting. Her death enraged Kevin, who used his powers... uh, he had always denied himself and blinked out the lives of all 50 billion Hoosnocks instantaneously without thinking. Not cool, Kevin. Stunned at Kevin's crime the sobered and sobered by his shame, Picard knows there is no court that can try Kevin and leaves the doubt to his own thoughts and conscience alone. I think I got a lot to say about this episode. Oh, good, because I don't have a ton to say That's other than remember her from Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, I remember her from a million things. There, the, I'm having an experience as we get into maybe even better or more known guest stars where it's like with both of these guys, I'm like, there's something deep in my synapses on both of them. Yeah. That's like a movie I've watched a million times. And I looked at both their credits. And outside of the fact that they have both been in everything, yeah. like there is – I will rattle them off as we as we go. But – like it's just an endless list of of things that they've been on um so i don't know if it's just that captain's logs sorry i didn't mean to start that at that point 
Oh no, I turned that on. I think I might know her from Cheers. Mrs. Gilder, The Endless Slumper. Do you remember that one? Not offhand. I feel like I know. Is it like a support group that Frazier is running? New Red Sox relief pitcher, Rick Walker is in a slump. It's the one where the guy goes to him and then he gives him his, his charm. <laughs> Remember? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know who the lady is. I assume she must have been like a cold open bit or something. I wonder if... Uh, that can't be where you remember her from. Mm, things stick in my head in a weird way, but... Um, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I don't care about Mrs. Doubtfire. It's Mrs. Doubtfire, Andy. <laughs> oh, I was obsessed with hopscotch, so it might have been that. The Game of Hopscotch? There's a great movie with Walter Matthau named Hopscotch, which is probably instrumental of why I am obsessed with Mozart, um, which I mentioned on the previous podcast. Oh, yeah, when we were uncovering more and more Andy facts. And because I was convinced I was going to be a wonderkind, which was instantly proved wrong when I turned 25. Guys, don't you think that Andy should grow a beard? If you think so, right into the podcast. Don't actually write into the podcast. Oh, while we're on the topic of um, stuff about the podcast and voting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, listen to the boredom, folks. Um, let's see. Yeah, and he's projecting his own boredom. Uh, possibly. Um, the internal uh, or the vote that went out about the guests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if I already announced this, but it came down to. Uh, so we were asking, would you, the Star Trek TNC listeners, prefer to hear on the podcast only Matt and Andy's voices, sweet voices, mm-hmm. or occasional guests? And uh, only Matt and Andy, 23%. Occasional guests, 77%. Mm-hmm. I was shocked, and I'm still... And that's 750 people voted. Yeah. I was shocked, and am still shocked, that 23% of the people wanted uh, just you and me i was it, just inconceivable to me i think the words you use too, occasional guests means that there's actually more people that would prefer just us i know that's 172 people that said no guess i just i to told you these boring I have a pretty good feel for jamokes. podcasts and i think this is a pretty good one um disagree it's enjoyable <laughs> to listen to uh-huh i'm just i don't know i've never listened to it no. it's enjoyable to do i listen to and it i know i've done them i'm a narcissist do you really listen to this podcast i do i listened at the beginning because i was trying to get better that really didn't pay off oh, and uh just getting your own head and then after a while Probably i created like, some of your neuroses that have made you who you are today as a podcaster I wish I could blame it on the podcast. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is we had the Patreon voting. Yes, we did. And you, as I recall, said if we get 100 votes, yes. then we will do a Patreon. Yeah. And uh, I started to count them up, and I was like, I don't think it's going to make it. I think it's going to be remain in the 80s. And then I checked a day or two later, and uh, we got uh, 127 votes with, I think, less than a week. When When did we announce that? Was it two weeks ago? I think it was on the first episode back, right? Oh, there you go. So it was like a week and a half. We got 127 votes. But I said a week. Uh, did you say a week? Didn't I? I? You're the one who listens to it. Yeah. What did I say? I don't listen to your parts. <laughs> I don't remember. Strange. Um, well, if you remember whether you said a week or not, I think it might have hit a week. Well, it's weird because we've recorded a while ago. We've recorded two since then. We're doing our third right now. Right. Uh, weirdly, a lot of people didn't uh, didn't 
not a lot of people, but a good number of people did not check out the minisode. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, granted, minisodes always uh, end up with less anyway, but I want to say to people who are listening to this right now, the minisode is literally, it's just the tail end of that podcast that we just forgot to do the Andes and the MVC, so we extended the podcast and got into a real existential debate about Deanna Troy's character. So there's a lot of good content in that. Check it out if you didn't listen it's to the end true, of Shades of Grey. It's as true an example of bonus content as there could be. It's yeah. basically just more of the podcast. Oh, it literally is more of the podcast. Yeah, so it's interesting. I get why? the idea. I get the idea of not. I don't listen to minisodes a lot. No, why? Because I want more than the time allotted. Like if I see something that's thirty, it's by the way, it's a, it's not even mini. It's like it's like forty minutes long. Yeah, you just feel like you don't want something to stop. Yeah, I'm like, mm, I don't want a little cake. <laughs> <laughs> you finally put it in terms I understand. I want all the cake. I'm not going to look at this little cake. Captain's log, stardate 43152.4. We are cautiously entering the Delta Rana star system three days after receiving a distress call from the Federation colony on its fourth planet. The garble transmission reported the colony under attack from an unidentified spacecraft. Our mission is one of rescue, and if necessary confrontation with a hostile force mm. yeah so what are you thinking andy what are you thinking when i'm thinking right this? off the top and you know we will get through the whole teaser great teaser again now they're this is the third episode three for three in yeah. the third season just so baffling in the original in the original show it was it was always built in that they had a really hooky teaser, and I don't understand why it took them two seasons to work out that math again. But they're 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 really doing it now, like really strong teaser again. Captain, I've got something here: thirty-seven degrees north and sixty-two degrees east. It's a structure. Life, two life forms, possibly human. Put that out here on the main viewer, magnify. Sounds like bad sound on that. The structure is located at the center of the vegetation, sir. An entire planet obliterated, except for a few acres of trees and grass and one building. It must be some kind of illusion. Negative. It is as you see. She turns out to be right, but it seems like a weird thing to conclude at that point. I agree. I I I was like, (laughs) that seems like you're really jumping the gun there, Bev Crusher. Maybe that's how they did it at Starfleet Medical, but you're back on the Enterprise again. Ha ha, my illogical conclusion was right. <laughs> Except for a few acres of trees. Well, you know what my theory is about her. It must be some kind of illusion. Negative. It is as you see it. Number one. I think you had better see who's at home. All right, so then they head to Malibu, California. <laughs> for the exterior shots here. It seem what it look, looks like. Uh, they're at a beach house in Malibu, and they do... Uh, did you notice the push-in they were doing as the beaming was happening? It uh, was an ambitious effect that almost worked. Uh, on the planet? Yeah, when they're beaming into the lawn, Yeah, they're moving the camera, oh, which I thought nice. was very, uh, very ambitious. Yeah. I did wonder what the scale would be when they beamed in. It's like a much smaller house than I would think I would want to spend eternity in. Seems pretty big to me. Well, you have lesser needs than Andy, I. of course. If you all uh, have ever seen uh, uh, Versailles, that's actually Andy grew up there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything seems small to me now. What can you tell me? The 
house is a typical settlement structure with adaptations. Thermal properties all seem to conform to known materials. If there are any indicators as to why this particular area has remained intact, I cannot detect them. Or the interior of the house? There is one individual located at the south end of the house, the other toward the north. There is a weapon. A low-yield phaser, non-functional. I would also take down the center wall and make it really flow into the kitchen. Salt is unwarranted. Stay here. I think I'll try an old. They could use some more plants. You know, give it an organic feeling. What do you think of upside down Riker? Uh, I really enjoyed the way that Frakes plays it. I think it was really, really well comedically performed. Very subtle. Very strange that this is what the alien chooses. To imagine as the defense system, well, maybe that was the defense. That was the natural defense system for that. Um, he built it himself. What you call it? Sure. Maybe they uh, there was a certain life form on the planet that they like to eat, uh-huh. and that was a good way to catch them. That seems cruel. Yeah. Well, these are cruel people. All right, we put we got the boar hanging upside down. Let's bash it in the head now. Oh no, no, that's no. the humane way just, of doing it. They would it. just cut the uh, artery, let it bleed out. Oh my gosh, that's gross. I guess they've run away. Andy doesn't know how meat oh, is I'm eaten. Sorry. I'm not going to have to do that when I go to Patagonia, am I? Yeah, actually, they ask that you kill everything you eat. Oh no. Could I have your names, please, just for the record? I'm Rashawn Uxbridge, and this is my husband, Kevin. Botanists. Originally from the aquatic city New Martin Vaz in Earth's Atlantic Ocean. Residents of the Rana 4 colony for five years. You, madam, are 82 years of age and a composer of Tao classical music. You, sir, are 85 years of age and a specialist in symbiotic plant life. You have been married for 53 years. I memorized the colony register on the way to Rana 4 in the event that such information would be needed. Well, you made it awkward. Here's what I like about that. Okay. You don't have the typical what's with him. Mm-hmm. He's an android. <laughs> like you don't. Well, have I was. The, you don't have to have that exchange. A hundred percent. I was, was braced like, for it. Yeah. And because in the previous episode there were people that were in the Federation that seemed weirdly, and I guess it's because they've been cut off, but mm-hmm. they seem like confused about how you know it was, it was very unclear how much they understood technology or not. And so I was expecting that because they always face that on a planet, even if they're Federation residents or not. Is it residents? Members of citizens. the Federation, citizens of the Federation, um, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. It was great that they didn't. There's nothing unusual about this house, except the fact that it's here. What about them? They are in reasonably good health. Both show signs of stress, which is understandable considering what they've been through. Somehow they're different. Let's get back to the ship. We'll take them with us. Excuse me, Mrs. Oxbridge. We've got to return to our ship now. But I haven't finished fixing your tea, Commander. I'm sorry. But we've finished here. Now I can allow time for you and Kevin to pack. What do you mean, pack? You're not thinking of taking us with you, are you? Surely you don't want to remain here. How could you take care of yourselves? Kevin, I can't leave my home. Don't let them do this to us. No one's going to make us leave. You'll be protected on our ship. You could still be in danger here on Rana. Commander, we appreciate your concern, but we're not going... Now, do you think he's projecting her to be doing that? To, to be saying... That's a really good point. To be saying we can't leave? She's kind of giving him crap the whole episode. Kevin, what have you done? And da 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 And it's like, but she's imaginary, so... He's, like, is it just an extension of his conscience? I guess question. so. It's him, her chastising him um, as an extension of his chastisement of himself. But... Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Are all of the Dowds pacifists? Or do they 
or does he because at the end it's an illusion that's real so it's kind of works like the holodeck I assume right it's matter or is it fully an illusion Uh, I think I think I think it's physically there I think it's uh, I think these dads are similar to the Q so then, by the way, he, I'd like to see a Dowd Q face off. I was I was wondering if there was going to be a Q Dowd tie-in. Huh? Seems like there's some potential there. Well, um, write that novel. Andy. Q. <laughs> okay, I've really got to get going on it. I have all this free time. Ah, yes, Patagonia, like. the most inspirational place to write a Q <laughs> Dowd novel <laughs> that people have been clamoring for. Um, uh, go back also just because I really liked it to the wharf interaction with um, Kevin. Ah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Guile. Oh, Gall. Oh. Sorry. Theory. Are you saying that we were kept alive intentionally? Yes. I don't understand. You don't think Rishon and I did something that merits survival, do you? I mean, betrayed the others? I'm not accusing you of anything, Mr. Oxbridge. The attacking force spared you for some reason. We'd like to know why. Now, may I go inside? I really like that interaction. I'll make everyone a nice cup of tea. We have lovely tea here on Rana. It grows wild almost every... Everyone's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Nowhere. I forgot about it. I hope we May were the I only people left on the planet. To hold the away team at bay with a non-functioning weapon was an act of unmitigated gall. Didn't fool you, huh? I admire gall. I love that. Go ahead. Pick it up. And I feel like that is a, uh, like one of the first it's examples of like, it's, it's a side conversation. It's mm-hmm. just color. And it's so on point with Worf's character in a charming, interesting way. Mm-hmm. I really think like that's that is the example of the uh, the the next generation that was promised to me. In order to protect that that own life. I promise you, Andy. What did two botanists in their eighties possess that could possibly aid whoever attacked the planet? We don't know what that enemy needed, Doctor. Love, fear. Oh, this is Maybe when it starts. No, nothing. I wonder why it's this. To this alien. Counselor. The music Counselor box Troy. obviously means something to them. I mean, it's a metaphor for them, Andy. Captain. They're trapped inside that little thing now. They are the waltzing couple. By the way, uh, still no evidence in this episode that uh, Troy has <laughs> many powers. Uh, I mean, yes, she gets blocked out by this music, but she never shows any evidence of saying anything that no one else could have figured out. So I still say... She's unaware of the fact that she has no powers. Everyone else knows. A search of the Ronian system has determined that the hostile force that attacked this planet is no longer present. I remember a Starfleet admiral once saying the same thing about some renegade Andorians in the triangular system. It turns out that they had dismantled their ship and hidden it. Those Andorians did not have to contend with someone of my thoroughness. I will stake my reputation. I love that too. I think it's just really great characterization for Worf. He's just—he's cocky. That's Worf what's fun is, about uh, him. He's Worf a cocky character that's often wrong. Full blown Z's lieutenant now. I just noticed. Oh, is that has happened in between? That's a really nice touch. Try it's driving me 
Mm-hmm. It's just driving me crazy. Uh, just the guy who plays Kevin uh, Uxbridge, John Anderson. Oh, I think you're. You know who you're thinking of? Who? Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> I, was th- I think I might have been thinking about <laughs> Sterling Hayden, but uh, but whatever the case, everything he's in all of these old westerns, The Rifleman. Um, he was in Ride the High Country. Uh, he was in several episodes of the. I wonder if I know him from Twilight Zone. He was in several episodes of the old Twilight Zone. Uh, Perry Mason, Route 66. Force 10 from Navarone. I made that up. He's not in that. He could have been. <laughs> um, and then more recently, you get into um, Quantum Leap. Um, more recently, you get into oh, this 30-year-old show. The guy's dead now. What of do you want Of course he him? is. Ooh, he was in Silver Spoons. Quincy. Uh, MASH. General Addison Collins. I wonder if that's what I know him from. Um, Were you a big MASH head? Uh, yeah, I love MASH. Were you in the MASH unit? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is, that what, is, that what, is that what we call ourselves? Yeah, you guys were in the MASH unit? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Nightwatch, Matlock, mm-hmm, MacGyver, mm-hmm. and his his final performance. What is that clicky? In Jake and the Fat Man. Do you I hear think it? I, I might have need to turn off my thing. Oh. I thought I did. Jake and the Fat Man was his final appearance. Yeah. Jeez. All right. No, I'm still hearing it. Uh, we've tried for many years. Many years. We've, try, we've tried a number of times to get a Jake and the Fat Man run in the uh, Goldbergs. Someone was suggesting um, I, uh, that you and I, uh, when we were talking about um, Scrubs, yeah, that in our free time we do a Scrubs podcast also. And I said, I'm going to be... If if I have any that any would be second crazy for you, maybe that's what our bonus content will be. Is that what you guys want? That but I said if I had any any time available uh, in your brain, which I never will until we're both very old, mm-hmm. um, and I'll be long dead. Let's be honest. Um, uh, I would want you, I would want to make you watch The Wire or Game of Thrones first. That Ugh. probably won't happen. Ugh. Yep. Those are so long. They are. Like literally. And the lady, Anne Haney, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as we all know, is from. You know, here. Let me just let me just theorize this, and oh, then we'll man, we'll try and Andy, find it. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. Stop it. I think. Hello. That's, she she's in that scene. Was in the Cheers scene, and I and if this is in this episode, then I'm right. Okay. Uh, where it's the two old ladies, and they're doing a bit where it's like. I'll just have some tea. Oh, you know what? I'll have a nice lemonade with just a little spritzer. Uh, I'll have it. And then, and then they end with, all right, I'm going to have a boiler, boiler maker, blah, blah, blah. And and Carla says, uh, I'll start a tab at the end. Do you remember this scene? Is that a cold open? I think it's cold open. Or I don't know. It might not be. I don't know that well. I think uh, it's pretty impressive that I came up with what I came up with. And you think it's from the, what season is that episode? Let's find out boring our listeners no we're not boring our listeners we're gonna play a clip from cheers it's gonna be great okay cheers cheers if i had to guess that's sort of like season six or eight endless summer and it is uh do they not have it on endless summer it's december 2nd 1982 oh that's gonna be season one yeah i think yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was season one. Endless Summer. Yep, I see it. Okay, it's uh, episode 10. Okay. Season one. And and we are looking for... A scene with two old ladies sitting at a 
table with Carla, and it's near the door. This is going to be very impressive, everybody. And I hope some of you are excited about this. Excuse me. Yep. Second I'm here in response to the ad in the newspaper about Mrs. Tortelli's children. Oh, oh no, she's there to again? babysit. She's in the cold open, though. No, no, I'm, I'm off. Never mind, never mind. Carla? Yeah, what is it? The lady here to see you. Oh, yeah? Uh, oh, I'm Miss Gilder. Uh, we spoke earlier about your ad for tutor. I remember this one, too. Yeah, yeah, have a seat over there and we'll talk. I'm taking five. Okay. Uh, here are my resume and references, Mrs. Tortelli. You will see that I teach all subjects. I have a great deal of experience. And if I may say so myself, I am very highly recommended by those for whom I've worked. Forget that. Have you ever been in any major military skirmishes? <laughs> what? Look, it's very important that I know that you can handle yourself. Would you stand up for a minute? Give me one. Give you one what? Your best shot. Right here. Cold cock me, honey. What a great show. You don't really expect me to strike you. Hee <laughs> Six bucks an hour. <laughs> Six bucks an hour. There you go. It's more than uh, All right, I was wrong. Wage. I didn't do it. It's oh, okay. Well. It's okay. We took a cheers detour. I'm always happy to take a cheers detour. Sure. No identity to it. Its design is completely foreign. But that's our boy. Approximately five times our mass and carrying enough armament to pulverize a planet. Lieutenant. I, uh not explain this captain it's heading for the planet hailing frequencies open the data ask them to identify themselves and match our orbit they've received the message captain but are ignoring it maximum shields ready all weapon systems aye sir i love the calmness the don't be surprised if the vessel is firing jacketed streams of positrons and anti-protons Equivalent firepower, 40 megawatts. Shields are holding. Again, 40 megawatts. No damage. Well, if that's the best they can do, this should last about five minutes. Mr. Wolf, <laughs> let's raise our voice a little. Fire phases, just a warning shot. Mr. Data, invite them to stand too. Andy likes phasers. The vessel is a oh, it's so great. Side of the Rana system, and it is rapidly increasing velocity. Helm, initiate pursuit. Aye, sir. Just badass, so badass. Like the invite them to stand too, um, and the uh, and let's raise our voice a little. The calmness of like the, just a true naval commander, kicking ass, totally at home in his environment. I love the military stuff. I love how it goes back and forth between Riker and him, and Riker is, you know, making all the all the little decisions along the way while he's seeing the big picture. I love how everyone is at their station doing, you know, it's just like this is why they're the flagship. Do we establish that they are the flagship? They, I don't are, remember. they are the flagship. <laughs> this the is why they're the, they're the best in the fleet, and they're acting like that. And up till now, I feel like they always seem a little bit befuddled, and this is what they should have been the whole time. <sighs> And 
even the character stuff with Worf and that he's like has total confidence to a cocky degree in his abilities and then when he's proved wrong he has to kind of emotionally deal with it mm-hmm. it's just really well done the end you heard that everybody it's just really well <laughs> done not like a steak that's gonna go on uh, their DVD box set now <laughs> Andy not their, not their VHS Warp 8.75. Warp 9. The warship continues to match our acceleration curve perfectly. Number one, I have the distinct impression that we're being toyed with. Take us back to Rana 4. Back? We have unfinished business there. I need to have a talk with those two people. You have the bridge. Reduce speed, bring us around on a return course. This one's getting away. I love that. I love that he's a little bit disappointed because he wanted to kick more ass. <laughs> and uh, and I really think, you know, look, we've seen the the episodes where it's like, what's the mystery? Oh, slowly unraveling it. That's like in so many episodes, but it's really... <laughs> That's what this one is. I, I'm so, I know, but oh. I feel like in this episode, it's very well modulated how they unravel the information piece by piece and 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 Picard seems like he's not one step ahead but he's taking in the information and you see why he's thinking what he's thinking at every step of the way mm-hmm. as opposed to moves like you know Beverly going it, perhaps it's an illusion you know it's just like which I think was the whole series before it's just like what why are they doing that I mean, not the whole series but a lot of it why would you say that <laughs> That it's logic, I mean. Or illusion, rather. Yeah. You will need, if you're going to stay on Rana 4, it's a matter replicator. It has limited capabilities, but... Thank you, but we have no use for such a thing. It will provide you with clothing, food, and clean water. Lieutenant Worf will demonstrate its operation. We don't need it. Kevin, you know we do. Thank you, Captain. Kevin and I were about to have afternoon tea. You and Mr. Worf must join us. I'd like that very much. Sean, they only want to spy on us like this morning. Kevin Uxbridge, I have never turned anyone away from this house, and I'm not going to start now. Captain? Thank you. Meanwhile, in Troy's... Uh, he's, really, he's really imagining his wife to I be a real pain. <laughs> I can get you to sleep. I don't want to sleep. The music will only follow me. I can induce Delta sleep, block out even your deepest dreams. It's not a dream. It's real. That he has ever recovered was that the was, was that the scene with the uh, the weird bro that was in her quarters <laughs> holding her the nurse yeah the nurse yeah it seemed weird and they shot him in an ominous way <laughs> um, play from 1740 that's way back alright just relax everything's fine is it no. for point warp 4.5 warp 5 oh. warp 5.5 Riker to the Forge. Give us everything you can to close that gap, Jordy. Yes, sir. I'll get you to 9.37 in 15 seconds. <laughs> I just like Jordy. Jordy's so hard right now. <laughs> he's yeah, so give it, I'll give you everything. He's excited he finally has something to do. You, you and me, Warp Core. Yeah, I would say that I would say this is just a an exemplary episode um, in terms of characterization and Jordy obviously gets the short end of the stick he doesn't get that much to do but everybody else is handled really well I think that he has ever recovered from that day 
Well, what do you think, Mr. Worf? This is a strange digression. Good tea. Nice house. Why, you leave the Earth and come to a brand new planet when you did. You mean at our age? Well, I wasn't going to say. Well, we thought that it might make us fall in love all over again. It worked. Except for me being an illusion. colony was fighting for its life. Yes, it was. Fires lit the sky. It was thunder, this, this unbelievable thunder. The ground never stopped shaking. Like at the Disney theme park during the fireworks. You survived. Or mid-afternoon in Orlando. Yeah, it's always thought. Why we survived and the others didn't. Is that didn't. true? Yeah, like I tried to put some purpose to it, but I can't. I was wondering, Captain, when you and your ship would be leaving. I don't have an answer for that. A few hours ago, we encountered a warship, possibly the one that attacked you. We forced it to leave the system, but we were not able to affect it otherwise. Mm, he's really putting it together here. Sure is. I have a positive identification, Commander. It is the vessel that attacked us earlier. It is re-entering the system at high velocity and is approaching Rana 4. Give us a tight visual data. That tight enough for you, Commander? In my imagination, or does it look a lot meaner this time? Do you want me to put a fun Shield filter up. on it? Weapons ready. Right, it's lit Our on the corner. Is back. Not surprised. Mr. Wolf, open a hailing frequency. Form the vessel to stay clear of the planet. Aye, sir. But they are already within firing range. Shields are down. Captain, they hit us with 400 gigawatts of particle energy. Damage? Superficial. But I'm having trouble reassembling the shields. Shields down. There's thermal damage to the hull. The warship is capable of striking us with far more powerful bursts. They're maneuvering to come between the Enterprise and Rana 4. Number one, we have been exemplary in our patience. So Lieutenant Worf, fire phasers on full with a simultaneous spread of torpedoes. The vessel appears undamaged, sir. Its defenses are apparently able to absorb incoming matter and energy. Commence rapid fire with all weapons on full. Yeah. Shooting, shooting. That's all he ever wanted, everyone. Whoopsie! Explosions and shooting! Internal damage. Weapon systems control has been lost. Riker to sick bay. Medical assistance to the bridge. On our way, Commander. Mr. Crusher, move the Enterprise out of range of the attacking vessel. Aye, sir. Shot of Sad Wharf. <laughs> what? We're leaving. Uh, so satisfying. And that... Uh, that um, I think we've been exemplary in our patience. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's good writing. That's so great for Picard. You don't get to see him kind of be a confident battle commander a lot. At least you haven't up till this point. Right. You certainly don't in the first two seasons. Really, really. enjoy it a lot. Captain Bridge. Yes, Captain. It's more like Kirk. I want you to maintain this course for another hour and then turn the Enterprise around take it back to Ramaphone. We still won't have our shield restored by then. Take it back, number one. And this time, nothing is going to lure us away. Then he and Worf beam down. Why do you keep interfering with our lives, Captain? It is not my intention to interfere. 
only to help you and Rishon. Then please, leave us alone. I promise you that when I leave this house, I will never set foot in it again. But the Enterprise will remain in orbit over the planet. Why? To protect you. That's not necessary. Oh, he breaks his promise. I thought you understood. No, he doesn't. He does step foot in it again. No, he doesn't. You're in grave danger. This is the last time. He beams him aboard next time. Kevin. He's lying, Rashad. You're right. <laughs> Good catch, Picard's Matt. not going to fucking break a promise. It's Captain Picard. That is fucking, that is some nice, nice logic there, buddy. Intimidation. I have my rights. Your rights. What about Rishon? Is she in favor of being left here? Come to the Enterprise. With me. Let me take you Run away with seven. me. No. You can watch the Tortellis. <laughs> I can't leave Kevin. I'm staying. What if I gave you she six bucks an hour? Me. In this house. <laughs> Why are you safe? Why is this house a sanctuary? Does it have to do with you? With your refusal to fight? Tell me this. If Rishon were in danger, would you kill to save her life? No, not for her. Not for anyone. I will not kill. Please stop hurting him. It's quite a puzzle, you know? Yeah. I remember myself going, I don't remember the end of this episode. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So here Maybe we go. Maybe it was Eight Men Out that I know him from. He was Judge... Activate the yes. I think that might have been sticking in my head. Under attack again. Evasive action, sir. The Enterprise will hold its position, Mr. Wolf. Weapons, sir. On my orders, not before. The vessel is entering a low orbit around Rana 4. It appears to be preparing to fire at the planet, Captain. Understood. My calculations indicate that its target is the house of Kevin and Rashan Uxbridge. There will be no interference from us, Mr. Data. Working on a hunch. Yep. The Oxbridges have been destroyed. There's no reason for the Enterprise to remain. Good. Helm, move us in a higher orbit so that we may keep the surface of the planet under surveillance. Aye, sir. But, Captain, what are we watching for? Anything. Everything. I'll be in my ready room if I'm needed. That will be all for now. <laughs> Oh, Captain so- is acting on an assumption. Well, and I'm not sure what the result will be, or even that my assumption is correct. We found two people alive in a house on a devastated planet. But there was only one survivor of the war on Rana 4. Who was it? Right? I'm like, mm, was it me? <laughs> um, uh, oh, just two things that I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, not that big a deal, but as soon as they see the uh, the uh, the alien ship, mm-hmm. um, Wesley goes, look at the size of that, in a way that's almost identical to, 
to Luke's, look at the size of that thing. And I wondered if it was an intentional reference. Oh, that's a good question. My guess is yes, knowing Will. The other thing is at about 41, and you don't have to look at this, uh, there's a lot of focus issues that I've been noticing in Next Generation. I wonder if it was because they figured it was going to be so small on people's televisions and not like we're watching them. They're like, meh, close enough, because like, there's a clear close-up of Kevin's face where his the front of his face is out of focus and his ears are in focus. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, fucking take another second. Measure from the camera. Get it done. At the end of that act break right there, yeah, when the camera, like, it does this crazy zoom on, on Riker. On Riker. So like, weird. Well, you don't have time for that zoom. What are you doing? So weird. Is it just to punctuate the end? Because when, when, when well, Picard walks away, that's him. enough of a... Cut to him, then. Yeah. If you want to if you want to punctuate on Riker, just cut to him. Yeah. Or cover it another way. Is that Cliff Bowles again? No, this is Les Landau. Les Landau. Come on, Les Landau. Get your shit together. I feel like I know that name, also. Um... You're thinking of uh, Martin Landau, <laughs> Juliet Landau. <laughs> Could be. Who's Juliet Landau? Mr. Wolf. She was Drusilla and Buffy. I detect two life forms Martin inside Landau's the daughter. house. Drusilla. It appears Kevin and Rashawn were not destroyed. Helm, take us within transporter range. We're going to beam them aboard directly onto the bridge. But Captain, will they not protest? Let them. I like when Picard's tired of things. My apologies if I interrupted a waltz. Why have you brought us here against our will? I want to end the suffering of one of my crew members. I don't understand. Kevin does. He's the cause. Therefore, you probably should, too. At first, I couldn't understand why your house survived the Holocaust when the others hadn't. Then it occurred to me. It had been destroyed. That dwelling where you served me tea, where you danced your waltzes, was a reproduction. Real to the touch, but capable of being created, destroyed and created. All in a whim. You're joking with this, Captain. Can't you see this is hurting my husband? Rishan, hear what he has to say. More than anything else, you wanted the enterprise mm. away from Ram. He's deducing. Because the house, the plot of land, your very existence were incongruities that you were not prepared to explain. The warship, another recreation, warship. tried to chase us away twice and failed. But when I came to your house the second time, I provided you with the only condition that would make the enterprise leave. Your deaths. You did your best to satisfy that condition. I'm deeply sorry about the woman. We will only leave I will if I go up to the Enterprise and there's I a million dollars in gold-pressed latinum there. You'll be taken All to the right, see you. and held responsible for the attack on the Enterprise and possibly the deaths of 11,000 people. No. He never killed anyone. The destruction of the planet happened just as I told you. But you haven't told us the whole story. How it ended. The part about Rishon. What is he saying? This is spooky, this part. I can touch you. I can hear your voice. I can smell your perfume. In every respect, you are a real person with your own mind 
and beliefs, but you do not exist. You died along with the others defending the colony. He recreated you just as he recreated the house. Such a weird, <laughs> weird dissolve. Yeah, it was, it's a good effect, but it's what happens with the doubt. It's you know? very weird for him to address that whole thing to her when he knows she's not real. You're not. Matt, I have something to tell you. Oh, In every respect. Please, please, please <laughs> let it be real. Please let it be me. He is dangerous. I do not exist. Dangerous, Mr. Wolf, that he could have destroyed us in an instant had he wished. Track him. Alert the crew to keep clear of him. I want him to understand. We mean him no harm. Will he? Mm-hmm. Uh... All right. I mean, do you want? I guess we should hear his uh, his thing. Yeah, I actually think this scene is really well played by John Anderson. He's really quite an actor, and I wondered if they had to establish that the show was getting better and was decent before they got people of this quality, or if it was more of like I mean, look at Hurley was a bad choice no, look of at the actors. Series, it was the uh, they got good guest cards all the time. Well, they did, but this was a new series. I think it might have been just. The because I, I feel like you can always get good actors. It's just a matter of whether you choose the right actors. So it might have been Hurley that was saying like, "I don't, <laughs> I don't like him. She's not playing it broad enough." Do you think that anyone was bad as a guest star? Yes, there were. I yeah, feel, like, were yeah. I feel like it's it's wide variation. Yeah. It will continue by the this way. galaxy for many thousands of years. Although until the day, no one has known my true identity. Once, while traveling in human form, I chanced to fall in love with an Earth woman. I put aside my powers and became her husband. Our life was happy and rich. Apparently Sarah looks Eventually, cute. Eventually, we came to this planet to live our final years. Now she is dead. She never knew what I really was. A colony was attacked by a warship. Belonging to the Husnak, a species of hideous intelligence, knew only aggression and destruction. I could have destroyed them with a mere thought, but I did not do so. You had the power to stop them, but you didn't? I refused to for the same reason that I refused to stop the Enterprise. I... Will not kill Batman. This so guy's Batman. I'm nipping at Batman. I tried to fool the Husnak. I tried to fool you. By the way, you only made the main. Side note: He's a terrible fooler for an immortal person whose main ability is to create illusions. Hmm. He left a lot of holes in his fooling. More cruel. And then what you most feared happened. Rishon went to fight with the colonists and died with them. Oh, I wish I could have died with her. But you couldn't. You were left alone. Look at the scene. Two pros. I saw her broken body. I went insane. My hatred exploded. And in an instant of grief, 
I destroyed the Hustak. Why did you try to hide this from all of us? Was it out of guilt for not helping Rishon and the others when they were alive? No, 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 no. You, you don't understand the scope of my crime. I didn't kill just one Husnak or a hundred or a thousand. I killed them all. All Husnak. Everywhere. Are 11,000 people worth 50 billion? Is the love of a woman worth the destruction of an entire species? This is the sin I tried so hard to keep you from learning now. Why I wanted to chase you from Rana. Yes, yeah, such a qualified to be your judges. We have no law to fit your crime. Peace. Such a, such a, just one of the best scenes I've seen on this show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just an mm -hmm. acting clinic. Um, and so well written. And uh, I have to address this. Um, I immediately liked this this scene. And, and just the, the general structure of this episode is so tight and you know they as i said they have these puzzles all the time this was so well laid out you know there's certain things like you know he wasn't that great a fooler even though he was immortal generally speaking everything adds up it makes sense and then you lead to this reveal at the end and it's it pays off usually you get to the reveal at the end and you know the episode just sort of like all right it's over we're gonna leave he killed a species mm -hmm. it was justified in some you know grief way uh, and they were like a hostile species, but obviously he com he would have lost his mind. Um, it's just such a great reveal. Um, and I thought Michael Wagner, who wrote the episode, did an amazing job. And I was like, oh, what other episodes did he write? And uh, and Cliff Bull has this thing he says about him. Um, he was he only he wrote three episodes in the third season. Mm -hmm. Have we seen them yet? No, we have, we're just in the third season. Um, and he was... It's the only one he has sole credit on, I believe. He was a co-executive producer just for the first four episodes until he left production. On Wagner's brief tenure of The Next Generation, Cliff Bowl remarked, I just don't think it was his cup as tea as well as, as far as the way the show worked and the way that Rick and everybody knows the show so well that they all rely on each other. Input even comes from the technical guys who have... Uh, almost been in space. I don't think it was the way he'd been operating in other places. So it was such a strange thing to read after going, after thinking this episode was so solid all around. And I do wonder if Rick Berman was really like took the reins from him because it was off, it was off track, and then everybody else rewrote it so it was this good or what? Huh. Usually in a drama, the the writer has a lot more hands on it than in a in a comedy show we may never know well you're wrong because i'm gonna get these people into my phone and i'm gonna ask them all these questions I'm getting you're gonna shrink these people down into your phone <laughs> that's right i'm gonna turn them into nanites this seems like a bizarre move <laughs> we'll see we'll see if you can stop me captain's Cliff final bowl captain's final log here we go all impulse captain's log stardate 431 53.7 
We are departing the Rana system for Starbase 133. We leave behind a being of extraordinary power and conscience. I'm not certain if he should be praised or condemned. Only that he should be left alone. So there is, you go. This is the other thing. Um, Picard says, we have no law to fit your crime. And he says he doesn't know what it could do. It's like, wh- what? He, he, you know, yes, you can understand his motivation, which is the mark of a really well-written character. But he did commit genocide. They don't have any law to fit that? To fit the destruction of a species? I mean, yeah, I, I understand don't. the scale is bigger, but also, he's like, definitely a murderer. What jail are they going to put him in? Well, that's a separate issue, but uh, he's think, saying, like, this I like is his too move. big He's in his own choose. prison. He's in his own prison of regret, and... Uh, I feel like that would have been better words to put to it, instead of, this is beyond my ability to judge. Mm-hmm. If only you'd been on the show, Matt. Well, I do have this time machine. You've been coming up with a lot Should of good writing solutions this? lately. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just a uh, drama guy. Me uh, too. I never knew it. I want to be a drama guy too. Maybe I shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, um, let's get into Matt yeah. figuring out who the MVC is. Most valuable communicator wearer. Sure gotta fill the time with something at least until season three. Seems pretty clear. Yes. It is Wesley. What? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um there's nobody it's Picard, right? There's nobody else who does anything in this episode. Oh my god, Picard is the uh, you know, he's the Captain uh, Sherlock Holmes of the of the 221B Baker Enterprise. Such a delight to watch him in this episode. He's really... I think a lot of the characters are just... I think Michael Dorn is kicking ass in this episode. He's kicking ass. I well, think you know, Riker they is always that. say it, it, it takes three seasons for a show to figure out what it is. I've heard that. And I think I guess it's also for the actors... Beyond the fact that it's for the writers to figure out what the actors do well and then sort of pitch them fastballs right where they want it... It's also the actors gaining confidence and stop, you know, there's a certain fear from all positions when a show starts of, this probably isn't going to last long, i got to prove myself, i got to make sure that everything's okay. And then by the third season, I think it's finally like, all right, I know what I'm doing, I'm ha- the show's hanging around for at least a little while, and it allows you to, like a great athlete, just ease into great performance. Yeah, and they, uh, they got there. Ah! Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Matt, you want to go first? Uh, I think I like this episode less than you do. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> using my normal scale, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, my Matt Myra scale of I'm flipping the channels. Am I going to watch this? Well, the answer is for a little bit, but not for that long. Oh, I don't know if you said whether they should watch this episode. Yeah. <laughs> they should watch it. I think people... I think it's a good episode. Okay. Um, 
but I would give it probably for me personally. Yeah. I'd give it five and a half Andes. Five and a half. A little above average for me. Uh-huh. For me. I got to say, I'm in a little bit of a tizzy because I understand what you're saying. Um, but this, to me, is exemplary of the uh, of the thing that, I, that has been promised to me about what the show could become. I loved watching Michael Dorn. I love watching Patrick Stewart. Just that stuff on the bridge. It's got battle scenes. The mystery is set up well right from the teaser and then really well written in its reveals. Mm-hmm. Um, there could have been a little bit more you know development and and the Troy stuff is like okay I understand why that's there but it's always a little bit unsatisfying mm-hmm. um, but uh, just a really good episode so I'm going to give it 7.5 7.5 Andes wow I really thought it was a solid episode all around well let me tell you there's some solid episodes on the horizon as well uh, next week's episode will be who watches the watchers and here is the trailer on the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation a tragic accident exposes the crew to a savage alien race Crusher Enterprise medical emergency Riker leads a secret mission to save a dying team member Riker stop we will keep Troy captive but Picard must sacrifice his life for Troy he will kill me Father no on Star Trek The Next Generation Didn't see that, Andy, but Picard took an arrow to the chest. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I heard the distinct sound of an arrow entering a chest cavity. By the way, that trailer, terrible. Oh, yeah. Not at all what the episode's about. Oh, interesting. Well, don't they? You know, that's what a trailer is. Uh, this, is a, this is an episode that really gets into the nitty-gritty of the Prime Directive. Yeah. So, exciting. Exciting stuff on the horizon. Uh, Andy? Yeah. Uh, that's it. Do you have anything else? I don't think I do. Oh, well, just uh, since the Patreon is now happening, we're going to be figuring it out. And uh, and there are a lot of suggestions within the Patreon mm-hmm. uh, emails that I haven't sorted through yet. So we'll have to figure out what we're going to do on the Patreon. Well, a lot of people have been mentioning... <laughs> The, uh, th- that they're sad to see the Maurice Hurley <laughs> impression go. And some people have suggested... Uh, Patreon's just Maurice Hurley? It's just him talking about the episode, which I don't... I have a feeling that's going to wear thin awful fast. Well, maybe it can be a section. Well, I mean, uh, to, in order for that not to wear thin, you'd have to be some kind of um, ma- master improviser. Oh, you know, Jesus someone who's had a lot Christ. of experience oh, on the I stage just so improvising. Much. So if Andy, if we know anybody like that who could also You're do... You're a terrible person. There is. I would have fired you in season one if I could do it if the cuckoo bird wasn't in charge. Cuckoo bird. Uh, That's really his greatest contribution to this podcast is the word <laughs> cuckoo bird. It is. Um, you know, to, to do a little more research on Maurice Hurley if, if people want more of the... It's a very paper-thin impression, to be honest with you. Should we go to the WGA library and see if we can pull everything written by Maurice Hurley? That would be amazing. And just do live readings of scripts in his voice. <laughs> just read every, the... Every character is his voice. Interior bank. <laughs> the criminals Crockett and Tubbs approach <laughs> Disengage